on episode 363 of Nintendo Switchcraft, uh, made in Vietnam, Bethesda talks Nintendo, Breath of the Wild comes back, those stories and more on this episode of Nintendo Switchcraft. This is Lloyd Hannison from beautiful Winnipeg, Manitoba, Canada, and you're listening to the Nintendo Switchcraft Podcast. Brought to you live every Monday, Wednesday, Friday, and Saturday. Tune in live over at twitch.tv slash run, jump, stomp. This episode of Switchcraft is made possible by patrons like Trucker Paul. Get Switchcraft and my other content ad-free for as little as a dollar over at patreon.com slash run, jump, stomp. And if you want to leave a voicemail like Lloyd did at the beginning of the show, it's super easy to do. Go to runjumpstomp.com slash voicemail from any device, and I may even play it on the show. All right. Our first story today is, uh, well, it's kind of weird. You know, I talked about this recently, uh, the fact that Microsoft and Sony and Nintendo, they all kind of got got together and they wrote a letter to the U.S. government kind of complaining about the, uh, the, the, the tariffs that are being levied towards goods that come out of China to the U.S., a 25% tariff. So just going to do some fast math so that uh, you understand exactly what's happening. What a tariff means is that all products that come in from uh, that country will be subject to a 25% increase in price. Uh, And what that would end up doing is let's say that you had a uh, a $400 console. Let's say that they shipped out a Nintendo Switch with a game bundled in for, or a couple of games bundled in for $400. You with me? So you got $400. Uh, well, 25% of $400 is another $100. And so then that will then cost $500 instead of $400. And uh, bo- uh, Microsoft, Sony... And Nintendo, they all said, hey, you're going to be costing uh, Americans jobs by doing this. And uh, because of this 25% import tariff that has been proposed by the Trump administration, um, you know, they all kind of got together and said, that's not cool. It's going to be bad for us. Uh, However, uh, what is, I mean, I think Nintendo knows, I think all three of them know that, that, that that information is probably going to fall on deaf ears. Uh, And because of that, well, not necessarily because of that, but um, a lot of companies that make electronics are thinking of moving their stuff out of China. Uh, And Nintendo, like for for example, Microsoft is looking at uh, Thailand to start producing their stuff. Um, Indonesia... Uh, for also for Microsoft, Nintendo is looking at moving their um, supply chain out of China and into Vietnam. So uh, this may be a big change to how uh, where, where consoles come from. Uh, you know, one way or the other, they're going to have to find a way to either move all of their stuff, which is going to cost like moving their supply chain is an expensive thing. 
uh, that's going to cost those companies a lot of money. And that might mean that people get fired or laid off because the companies are trying to save money. And uh, or they will keep their supply chain in China and suffer the burden of the tariff uh, and then just pass that um, that tariff onto the consumer at a higher cost. So, uh, you know, any way you look at it, it's probably pretty bad for the video game industry as a whole. I've talked about it before, but now it looks like Nintendo is thinking about moving their production out of China and into Vietnam. Uh, so, uh, you know, I don't, I don't know what else really to say about it. So let's uh, move on. Uh, Paul Hines, uh, he works at Bethesda. He is he, or he was talking to GameIndustry.biz. And they were talking about how the level of support that uh, has come from um, uh, from Bethesda and gone to uh, Nintendo, you know, Bethesda games on Nintendo consoles has changed dramatically uh, over the years. And for instance, at one point, um, I think it was Pete Hines was asked, or somebody at, the, at Bethesda, they were asked... Um, if if you are are you going to support the Wii is the question that they that they asked and their answer in fact it, yes it was Heinz they were uh, they were being interviewed by the same person uh, the person doing this interview is Christopher Dring uh, at GameIndustry.biz and he said uh, where I, I just lost it sorry oh here it is okay the company never supported Nintendo platforms before. I recall asking Heinz almost 10 years ago whether Bethesda would support the Wii, and he answered with a simple no. Uh, in response, um, Heinz says, well, that was more our philosophy has always been that anything that we are creating, we're happy to bring to as many platforms that will run the game as designed and envisioned. The Wii was just not in the same area that the other consoles were at the time. The issue was... I'm sorry, the issue of, well, the Wii folks won't play this. Uh, maybe they would play, maybe they wouldn't, but why even speculate? I can never get this game to run on the Wii, so it's a moot point. And that's a that's a pretty good point. You know, it, it takes a lot of man hours and or, or woman hours. I'm not prejudging gender. Uh, it takes a lot of people hours in order to bring a game from a more powerful system and port it to a less powerful system. I mean, that's just a fact. It takes a lot of work to do that. And at the time of the Wii, even though the Wii was selling like gangbusters, it didn't make sense to do that because there was too much work that it would have to go into it. Now, a very popular, I would say a false, a thing that is falsely believed I don't know why I can't get my my head around the words that I want to get out today. Uh, but a lot of people believe that only Nintendo games sell on Nintendo consoles. And for anybody that believes that, I would point them to the indie scene uh, on the Nintendo uh, Switch, which, uh, like, they are selling, like, gangbusters. Like, I've I've read on this show multiple times about a certain indie uh game that has uh on the switch has sold way more than on the ps4 and xbox one and pc combined so you know the 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 fallacy that's the word i was looking for earlier the fallacy that nintendo games are the only games that sell on a nintendo system is 
frankly, it's just BS. It's, it doesn't make any sense. If you make a good game and you do a good job on the port, then it's going to sell on that system. And I think uh, that that fallacy comes from the days of the Wii where, sure, there are a bunch of games that got ported to the Wii, but they were games we either already played or they were really, really rushed ports and they were buggy as hell. And we found out about that stuff. And we said, no, we're not going to play these games because these games weren't made well. You make a game well, you give us a good game, and we're going to buy it. And I think that developers have found that out this generation with Nintendo Switch, mostly because the Switch supports the same engines that everybody else does, so it makes it a lot easier to port. Um, That being said... The, the, one of the reasons why this, why I'm bringing this, bringing this up, is this sentence that that uh, Heinz said. I'm going to repeat it. He says, "The Wii was just not in the same area that the other consoles were at the time. The issue of well, we folks won't pay for this. I'm sorry, won't play this. Maybe they would, or maybe they wouldn't. And here we go. Why even speculate? I can't get this game to run on that, so it's a moot point. Okay." Why am I bringing this up? Well, I'm bringing this up because we are at a dangerous crossroads for Nintendo here, and I don't know what they can do. In fact, this this whole conversation that I'm about to have with myself makes me very nervous. Are you nervous, Bill? I am nervous. What do you think? Well, I think it's going to be okay. Well, I'm nervous, so let's just get to the point. Okay, I, there's a little uh, acting for you. Um, we've, we're on the dawn of the PS5 and the Xbox Next, whatever it's going to be called. And those systems are a good deal more powerful than the Nintendo Switch. Really, really powerful systems. And there are going to be games that are made targeting those systems, targeting the Xbox Next and the PS5. This kind of feels like the same... Um that same uh, re... I can't think of the word that I'm trying to, to spit out. The same situation that we have seen before with the Wii and at the time the Xbox 360 and the PS3. Like, we are in that same... We're about to be... Next year, we'll be in that same situation. And that could be really, really bad for Nintendo. Now, one thing that differentiates these two situations. And I'll, 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 I'll say, though, it's the Wii situation versus the Switch situation. During the Wii situation, okay, one of the things was it was underpowered. You know, a, a lot of developers joked that it was like having two GameCubes taped together. It's fine. Uh, however, you can, you can overcome the, the system being underpowered. What you can't overcome is not having the 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 right controls. And if you look at a Wii remote and a nunchuck, there's only one stick. And a good deal of games require uh, four face buttons, at least, uh, two triggers, two shoulders, a D-pad, and two sticks. And the Nintendo Wii just didn't have all of those things. And gosh, I wasn't even planning on talking about this today. Um, I, I kind of have gotten uh, off off the rails, but 
it, did, it just didn't have all of those things. So it made porting a game even more difficult. And then on top of that, I think Nintendo would, would quite often try and put pressure on companies porting games to the Switch or to the to the Wii. Like they would put pressure on them to, hey, make sure that you include motion controls. Uh, and make sure that you include that that speaker in the remote so that it makes a little thing uh, or a little noise. And I think a combination of it being underpowered and they're not having the right controls and Nintendo kind of being kind of uh, overbearing and it not having supporting the right um, uh, the right engines for video game development. Uh, same thing with middleware. Uh, those five things came together and and made it really hard for any developer to bring a game to the to the Wii. It's really hard for me not to say Switch, uh, but bring a, a game to the Wii and have that be a good experience for the end user. So, a lot of developers said, "Screw it, I'm not going to do it," or we will sh- we'll shovel where the hell out of this thing and we'll just throw crap at it. And guess what? Those games, those shovelware games just didn't sell. Why didn't they sell? It's not because Nintendo uh, fans only play Nintendo games. It's because Nintendo fans want to play good games and shovelware. Those aren't good games. I hope what I'm saying is making sense. So that's why the why the Wii situation didn't work. Well, let's talk about the Switch. The Switch supports the modern day uh, engines. The Switch has basically all of the same stuff that uh, any other controller has outside of analog triggers. And while I think Nintendo should have had analog triggers on the Switch, I don't think it's really hurt them nearly as much as it could have. Um, Let's see, what else? Uh, the, The Switch, while being underpowered compared to the other consoles, also has a ridiculously good footing right now. And it is incredibly popular and selling very very well and then on top of that the games that are coming to the nintendo switch are uh doing incredibly well and they're selling much better on the switch than they do on other platforms so this idea that people who play who buy nintendo consoles only buy nintendo games i find that to be ridiculous uh let's let's go back to the interview and see what uh pete hines has to say about it So he goes on to say, uh, certainly you're not wrong in that the level of support we have for the Switch looks pretty dramatically different if you compare the last couple of years to the previous 15. I think that's due in a large part to what the console, or I'm sorry, to what that console could do versus any other platform relative to the other platforms we're making games for. He's kind of making the point that I just made, I think. Uh, He continues. One of the things we discovered in in talking with Nintendo is that there is a segment of their audience who plays other kinds of things on their platform and also likes our stuff. And there's a segment of their audience, and it's a healthy size, whose entry point into the platform is our titles. Nintendo can see what is the first thing people play on a new Switch account. And when it's a Doom or a Skyrim, they're like, Somebody got a Switch and decided to play your game before anything else. It's interesting to see. It definitely fits an audience that Nintendo already has, but it's also clear that what we that we are bringing some new people to the Switch. 
I met a guy yesterday who said that one of the first things that they uh, bought on Switch was Doom, Wolfenstein, Skyrim, because that is the sort of thing they wanted, and the fact that they were on the Switch made them get a Switch. Uh, so I think it's a there, there's a lot more to the interview, and if you want to uh, read it, I, I recommend that you do, but I found it to be very interesting, and I know that there's going to be people who say that the Switch is doomed once the PS5 and Xbox Next come out. But I'm here to say I don't think that they are. I'm a little nervous because it could go either way. But I, I, I have confidence that the Switch is going, to, uh, is going to be able to weather the storm. Uh, let's, let's go to chat real quick because I, I do this show live over at twitch.tv slash runjumpstomp. And Joel Mead 24 in chat says, I think there's a certain percentage of people that only buy Nintendo exclusives on Nintendo systems. I know at least one or two other people who are like that. And of course, there's always going to be people who you can point to and say, they are the example that we're referring to. But I think a lot of people, Joel, uh, I think a lot of people believe that that is true of everybody who gets Nintendo stuff. You know, we, we always get painted with the same brush. Everybody who buys a Nintendo platform gets painted with that same brush and everybody assumes that we only like family-friendly stuff and we only like this kind of stuff. Listen, earlier today on my Twitch channel, I was streaming Resident Evil 2 on uh, PS4. Uh, you know, there's a lot of people who would not play that game. You know, most of the time, me. I mean, that game was scary as hell, but you, you get my picture. People always paint everybody with that same uh, brush. So, uh, and and he says, yeah, it's not everyone, but there are some people, and that is 100% true. All right, let's take a quick break, uh, hear from a sponsor. When we come back, we're going to talk a little bit about uh, one of my favorite games of all day, all time, Breath of the Wild. If you're an athlete, you know the greatest motivator of all is the fear of letting your teammates down. After all, a team is only as good as its weakest link. So you owe it to those wearing the same jersey as you to be your best every time you step on the field. That's why there's no vape in team. When you vape, you can expose your lungs to toxic chemicals that can damage your lungs. If you're a step behind, the team's a step behind. Brought to you by The Real Cost and the FDA. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code SPOTIFY for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Now bring the arcade experience home because your vision is our vision. ColecoVision. All right, Breath of the Wild 2 is on its way back. It's making a comeback. This is actually pretty surprising. This comes to us via uh, Eurogamer.pt. I don't know what that is, and it is not in English. So let me translate it real quick. Thank you very much, Google. And it says here that the top 10 list, first off, Super Mario Maker 2 remains its its uh, uh, number one in uh, the UK. That's not a huge surprise. I mean, let's look at the other games that are on the list of top 10, excuse me, top 10 games. Mario Maker 2, Crash Team, uh, Racing, F1 2019. Is that like a racing game? I don't know what that is. Um, 
Mario Kart 8 Deluxe, Super Smash Bros. Ultimate, Grand Theft Auto 5, Assassin's Creed Odyssey, Red Dead Redemption 2, The Legend of Zelda, Breath of the Wild, and then Mortal Kombat 11. Hold on a sec here. Well, first off, damn, Nintendo, you're killing it. You got a lot of games in that top 10. But for Breath of the Wild to be back again... That is surprising. And of course, Jay Harley 17 is absolutely right. Grand Theft Auto is still hanging in there. I don't know how many game, uh, copies that game sold, but almost all of the time, Grand Theft Auto is in the top 10 list of sold games. It's insane. Grand Theft Auto 5, I mean. Uh, but Breath of the Wild is certainly is suddenly uh, making a resurgence. And I think... Almost hit the wrong button there. I think that has a lot to do with the fact that Breath of the Wild 2 was just announced. And if if you looked at the attach rate of Breath of the Wild 1 um, to the Nintendo Switch when the Switch launched, it was like 100%. Like at the Switch launch, there were like three games. There was 1-2 Switch, Breath of the Wild, and I can't remember anything else. I Blaster Master Zero was another launch game, I believe. Maybe that was the second week. Uh, anyway, uh, Breath of the Wild had like a 100% attach rate, right? Its attach rate is much lower now. As the Switch kept uh, kept selling really, really well, you know, there would be different segments of the popul- of the gaming population that would grab it. I grabbed it because I'm a huge Nintendo fan, and I adore Zelda games, so I definitely wanted to have it uh, with Zelda. But, you know, there's a lot of people who play Splatoon nonstop. That's their game. And when Splatoon 2 came out in July of... 2017 i'm going from memory i could be wrong uh, but when that came out in whenever it came out there were a lot of switches sold that didn't have breath of the wild and then mario odyssey came out and in november or october of that year and you know there were a lot of people who bought the switch for the mario game and didn't buy breath of the wild yet well, now Nintendo announces Breath of the Wild 2, and a lot of people are like, whoa, there's a lot of people that are pretty excited about this, and I've heard really good things about Breath of the Wild, and I don't want to play the second one without playing the first one, so I'm going to go buy that sec- uh, that first one. And this is something I never really considered. I hadn't really thought about this, because one of the things that I have been saying all along is that when Breath of the Wild 2 is going to... or I was, I've been assuming that Breath of the Wild 2 would launch in, what's the word I'm looking for, in a holiday of next year, 2020. Like, that has been the date that I keep saying over and over. And I would say, well, why, why would they announce Breath of the Wild 2 if they weren't going to launch it at that point? But they, they've already had, you know, they've already been bitten a couple times by, um, by announcing things too early. You know, Metroid Prime 4, when they announced that, uh, that, they had no choice. They had to announce it. They had to announce it because they were bringing out a Metroid game on the 3DS in the same year when the Switch was coming out. And if they didn't announce Metroid for the Switch, then there were going to be a very bunch of very, very angry people saying, well, the Switch is dead. Obviously, Nintendo doesn't care about it because they're supporting the 3DS instead. Uh, so they didn't have a choice. They had to announce Metroid Prime 4 then. And what happened? Well, whoever was working on it didn't do the job that they were supposed to do, or it wasn't coming along the way that they liked. So Nintendo 
Uh, they did a mea culpa. They said, look, we screwed up. We're going to put it on hold. We're starting from scratch and new people are working on it instead. Uh, and it's, you know, the, the people at, um, oh my God, I can't remember retro studios. Retro studios is, is the team that's working on it now, which is awesome because retro studios made Metroid prime one through three. Nintendo learns from, you know, should have learned from Metroid prime four. Don't announce things too early because it's going to bite you, you know, and then Animal Crossing, they announced it, and now it's been delayed until next year. Why did they delay it? Well, they delayed it for a very, very extremely good reason. Uh, this comes to us from, I believe it was Doug Bowser, the current president of Nintendo of America. He said, and I could be um, misremembering the person who actually said it, but I, be I believe it was Bowser. Uh, Doug Bowser said, uh, look, we delayed this game because we want our employees to have a good work-life balance. And we could have probably got it to launch this year, but we would have had to uh, crunch. And we don't want to crunch. We don't want to push. Uh, we want to have a good work-life balance, so we're going to delay it. That's two examples of Nintendo announcing something and then having to, de to delay it. And I think in both cases, they did the right thing. However, I think it's better... If they don't announce things too soon, which is why I assume when they say that they're working on Breath of the Wild 2 and everybody loses their minds, myself included, the idea that it's coming out in holiday 2020 makes a lot of sense to me. However, there is one example, and it's right here. Why am I talking about this? There's This is the example of why it might have made sense to uh, announce Breath of the Wild 2 was to give a boost to sales for Breath of the Wild 1 for all of those people who bought a Switch and haven't played Breath of the Wild yet. It just makes perfect sense. So I don't know if we're being manipulated by Nintendo or what, but I think that uh, I'm, I'm super excited for Breath of the Wild 2. And if you're listening to this show and you have a Switch and you have not yet picked up Breath of the Wild, uh, go buy it because it is one of the best games that I've ever, it is my favorite game of all time. And I would say that it is one of the greatest games ever made. So make sure that you check that out. <laughs> Whoops, I uh, hit that wrong button. Uh, so here we go. Uh, I got There's a tweet here from Alicia Stella. I don't know who that is. Um, it says here that they are a theme park enthusiast, podcaster, blogger, and hat wearer. And uh, they do a podcast uh, called the Ooh Unofficial Universal Podcast. Uh, and they do um, news, rumors, and discussion about Universal Orlando Resort every single week as the longest-running Universal podcast. I can't imagine there's a lot of competition in that scene. However, uh, there's a really, really cool picture of a model of the... Um, of Super Nintendo World. These are leaked images of the model of Super Nintendo World posted by the podcast. It looks like it it looks to be the exact canceled kid zone plans, which means it should be the same as Japan minus Donkey Kong. Notice the line of Yoshi's on the right for the Omnimover ride. I don't know what the hell she's talking about, but now that we now that you've heard that, maybe you want to see these pictures. Uh, follow the link in the show notes. Or you can go and watch the YouTube video. Uh, but the, this thing looks so cool. Now, do I care about this? I don't really care. Why don't I care? Because 
I, it's too far away. I'm not going to go there. It's going to be way too expensive and it's just not something that's going to happen. However, I am excited for people who are going to be able to check it out because this thing looks ridiculously cool. I think my favorite part is the, the Bowser castle in the background, uh, with the, like the Mario Kart thing over top. And, and you can see like people at scale walking around. It just looks so absolutely rad. Now, this picture that I'm looking at here, I think this is probably the Donkey Kong part that, that she was talking about. It just looks so cool. But if, if you are curious as to what exactly, what is it that Bill's looking at? Again, either watch this on my YouTube or go to runjumpstomp.com and check out episode 363 show notes and you will get a, uh, you, there'll, there'll be a link in there that takes you to, uh, to these pictures so you can see what exactly is it that they are talking about. Anyway, I think it's uh, ridiculously cool looking, and I just wish it was closer to my house so I could go. Um, Pokemon unveiled this uh, video. I guess you know how in Pokemon Sword and Shield we have this thing called Dynamaxing, where you can use like a thing and your Pokemon becomes giant. Uh, they, they just get bigger, and that, that's like the theme for... Um, for Sword and Shield, they always have like some kind of gimmick that, that separates the games. Well, uh, Pokemon Sword and Shield has Dynamaxing. Uh, it also has Gigantamaxing, which is not something that we had heard about before. But we've got this uh, video uh, from the Pokemon company that is showing, um, the you know, just a, a little bit of footage from the game. I got to say still that the game looks really pretty. I think it looks great. I know that people were complaining about what the game looks like. I don't see a problem. I think it looks awesome. I really do. Um, and they're showing off a few uh, Pokemon. Now, not all Pokemon will have the ability to Gigantamax, uh, but you will be able to Dynamax all Pokemon, I, I think. Now, what is the difference between Dynamaxing and Gigantamaxing? Dynamaxing just makes them get bigger. Gigantamaxing makes them get bigger and change what they look like. And does this really matter at the end of the day? No, but it's cool. And it's something that, that uh, they wanted to show off. Uh, I, I think it's kind of neat. So they, they end up changing their size and appearance. Now, not every Pokemon will be able to Gigantamax. Um, so this seems like something that's limited to only certain Pokemon. But... I think it's neat. I'm not super excited about it. But uh, in related news, uh, if you are interested in the double pack uh, for Pokemon Sword and Shield, uh, it says here, uh, this is a tweet from Nintendo of America. <clears throat> it says, purchase the Pokemon Sword Shield double pack and receive these special items known as Dynamax Crystals. Use these items to face Dynamax Larvitar and Dynamax Jangmo-O, oh my god, uh, in special max raid battles. These Pokemon normally can't be encountered until later in the game. That's kind of cool. Um, there's some people that are going to be like, oh, it's pay to win. Yeah, who cares? It's like, you can get there eventually. It's not that big a deal. Am I going to buy this? Probably not. Why not, Bill? Bill, because I want to get the... Um, I don't want both games. That's for one. I'm not interested in buying two copies of the same game for me. Uh, and I'm going to get the digital version. Now, I don't know if my son will get the digital version or if he will get the um, 
the physical version, but I, I, I like digital games on my switch. I really do. I don't like having to, uh, dig through a bunch of cartridges looking for the games. And because I take the switch with me places, I may not have all of the, these games with me in the room. So like if I'm downstairs and I decide, Oh, you know what? I feel like playing Pokemon sword and shield. Oh, my case is upstairs. So now I got to go upstairs, find the game, bring it back downstairs. You know, it's just kind of a pain. And I, I, I got a big uh, SD card in my Switch, I think 400 gigabytes. Uh, so I got plenty of room for lots of games. Uh, anyway, it's, it's very cool, and uh, I'm not going to get this, but I'm sure that there's going to be a lot of people out there who do. All right, let's, um, let's do feedback. We got two tweets coming at me. Uh, we've got a tweet from at franchise GFX. They said at, at run, jump, stomp. I just randomly stumbled onto your podcast last week. And I just wanted to say, I really enjoy the content. Keep up the great work. Thank you, Steve. I appreciate that. And Ivan Rodriguez says, I wouldn't worry too much about how and when you cast. I was talking about, Oh God, I, I, this is the first week where I'm doing it Monday, Wednesday, Friday, Saturday. So I changed the schedule of the podcast. I forgot about that. I changed the schedule of the podcast. It used to be Tuesday, Thursday, um, Saturday. And now it's Monday, Wednesday, Friday, Saturday. Uh, so that's the new schedule going forward uh, for when we launch the games. But Ivan Rodriguez uh, says, I wouldn't worry too much about how and when you cast. Base it around your life, not the other way. I love your 30th minute, 30-ish minutes episodes. Oh my God, I can't read this. I love your 30-minute episodes there. I I cheated. Uh, I love your 30-minute episodes. I play them at 1.3 speed. That's very specific, which fits perfectly in my 25-minute walk to work. Well, I apologize as this is now 32 minutes officially. Okay, before we get out of here, I just want to remind everybody... Uh, And I'm going to talk about this probably every episode because I want people to come say hi. If you're going to be at uh, Dragon Con, I will be there this year. Uh, And if you see me, shout out at me. If you're going to be there, let me know. We'll find a way to meet up. We'll high five. Uh, It'd be awesome to see you guys. Uh, I will let everybody know as soon as I know what panels I'm going to be on. I'm going to be on three or maybe four panels at Dragon Con talking about stuff. And I can't announce that stuff yet because, like, the panels have not been announced. So, uh, anyway, let's wrap up the show. When you decide to step up to this kind of power, this kind of challenge, this kind of flying, crashing, feeling, when you decide to get serious, there's only one place to come. The games of Super Nintendo. No one else creates this kind of experience because no one else creates these kinds of games. Now you're playing with power, superpower. Become a part of the community over at runjumpstomp.com slash discord. You can also watch the show live at twitch.tv slash runjumpstomp. Get a hold of me through email at runjumpstomp at gmail.com or reach out to me on Twitter at runjumpstomp. Use that hashtag Nintendo Switchcraft if you are looking for ways to support the show. Stop by runjumpstomp.com slash thank you. Uh, and for more content like this, check out runjumpstomp.com slash shows. The music you are listening to right now is Corneria Star Fox Remix by Noteblock. They're awesome. You're awesome. Stay awesome. I'll see you guys soon. Thanks for listening. Have a great day. And, uh, you know, now you're playing with power. Superpower. <laughs> <laughs>